CliffCentral.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the second part of the Help Review, the Help the Movie. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I just feel like she always greets you and she never greets me and i make I know, it a point to greet defi- her all the time that's definitely yeah no she just greets you and I then she freak out she- i freak out <laughs> and then i get really serious <laughs> she cut straight to the point and then i'm gonna hi later on like question two <laughs> okay let me start with you then hi em how yo, are you yo i'm good stop wasting time Lisa. <laughs> get out of this really get out great of this. okay so everyone um We hope you enjoyed the first part. Uh, The second part will just be a continuation. So we just want to remind you of the characters. There was the main one, Skeeter, who was the young white female journalist that was very interested in a space that she otherwise wasn't allowed to be in. Um, There was Abelene and Minnie, who were the two main um, maid characters. And then there was Hilly, who was the very mean, very two-faced white woman. Um, sort of the villain in the story and Celia, who was the woman that was, you know, sort of the outcast as mm. also a young white woman, but the outcast in the group of white women. And Elizabeth. And who Elizabeth. Had the baby. Yes, Elizabeth, who had the baby. She didn't like. Post, she, oh, she was going through post traumatic stress. Oh, you were going to justify it. <laughs> yes. That's, but that's a real she thing. She didn't like that that's kid. A real thing, she thought girl. the kid was ugly. She didn't like it. Because kid. of the PTSD. <laughs> Guys. She's a mean person. She's a horrible person. <laughs> oh, and shit. yeah, all the, all their different maids in between. So, I mean, watching this movie, I can't tell you, like, I watched it. When it came out, mm. but having having gone through this process, I cannot tell you how much more you pick up, how much more I'm seeing, mm. you know, mm. and how much more it's impacted me, mm. right? And it's just like it's 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 having the experience, but also the perspectives from such a like on such a intimate level. You know what I mean? Just it's mm. it's just different being part of something. Yeah, completely. And yet, I also feel like I'm bumping my head because it also just reminds me how difficult the the space is. Yeah, but also how nothing's changed, right? Yeah, like we're following a similar process. Yeah. Um, in the sense that we started off similarly, we wanted to do a book, but also I think. We're having a lot of the same challenges that Skeeter mm. did, mm. which is amazing. And But then do you think, I mean, if we can see that through all these years, a lot of things hasn't changed, do you still believe that we will make significant changes, the changes we have in mind? Yeah, but I think, you know, we've got the benefit, and this is why it's valuable to watch a movie like this mm. and to be able to learn from history and to say, okay, you know, because everything can seem novel. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't have a historical context of anything, it could seem novel. And if something seems novel, then you don't know, like, you don't know how to navigate it. Do you know what I mean? Because you feel like it's happening for the first time. But I think the fact that we can compare and contrast, um, our experience and the experience in this movie, even though it's in Mississippi, America, you know, mm. the mere fact that on a human level, we can do that comparison means that we know what is likely to change and we know what is is likely to stay the same and why there's just like i think we it's easy to navigate 
you know, when you can, you can compare. Mm, and it's also nice to know all the factors that actually keep it the same. Mm. They could pinpoint what their setbacks would be, and we can pinpoint ours today. Yeah, and even though they look different, but the I think it's harder for us same, from an advocacy but... point of view because it was easier then just to outlaw things that were unjust. Mm. It was easier, and <clears throat> it's almost like it's harder after the fact. You know, it was probably it's harder after the civil rights movement to then have to address people's mindsets because those things are so mm. entrenched, right? Here and and as as any kind of a an activist or um, interventionist in a, a social space, you want to be able to to do things that are tangible, right? You want to be able to make measurable progress. The easiest way to do that is institutional. So if there are laws mm. standing in your way, mm. do you know what I mean? Or policies, then you know exactly what the enemy is, right? And it, it, it's like easier to to measure your your impact and to have an impact, but. What we're living in a an ideal democracy, quote unquote, from an institutional perspective. So, so much of what we have to do is is about socialization. Yeah, which but, makes it so much harder. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the likes of Steve Biko did really understand that 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 was necessary after mm. you know political freedom and having rights. But you know. <laughs> Who's ever taken that on as a national project, you know, whether here, whether in America, like, you know, things like Black Lives Matter happen after trauma, after, you know, devastating numbers of dead bodies. Mm. It doesn't happen before Mm. the fact. So, Mm. you know, who takes who takes that on as a national challenge? You and I. Um. -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) No, but no, 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 no. That's a good point. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just. I mean, who who even has the capacity to be believed that that is an important thing to take on once freedom on paper is given? Because mm. then everyone becomes about the hustle. Fine, I finally have the freedom to pursue a good career, the freedom it's to pursue true love, sad. the freedom to pursue whatever. It's incredibly sad how it it always takes devastating consequences. Mm. Or, more often than not, people aren't able to do things preventively. We're not that kind of, mm. we're not that sophisticated as a human race, right? We've first got to, we've first got to crash and burn a little bit. And I mean, even in the movie, you know, if you think about how at first she was struggling to get maids on board and she only mm. had Minnie and Abilene. And then once the killing happens, once the, the black, Boy is shot by the KKK mm. Then everybody turns up But I'm just wondering Would a re- revolution Be taken seriously If there wasn't devastation A preventive revolution <laughs> yeah, yeah but really I'm wondering Would it be taken seriously If there isn't a visible or active threat I mean there's always an active threat But if there wasn't a clearly visible threat Would it be taken seriously Um, I think it would be really really hard Mm, Unfortunately, I think, so too. I, I think then you don't call it a, a revolution. You might call it a like a renaissance of sorts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or an, I don't know, like a conscientization. But nobody would call it a revolution, right? Mm. And that that yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So revolutions are always responsive. Yeah, but they also have much higher impact than a conscientization mm. or a renaissance. You know, mm. and if a revolution is a kind of systemic intervention or a systemic thing that needs to happen in the space right it it has to be it has to be 
I mean, the change that needs to happen is revolutionary. But unfortunately, because, you know, so much of the shit within domestic work is dormant and it's been normalized and it's, it's, everything happens in secret. And I don't think that revolutions happen when there's a stalemate. Mm. There's just too much in the status quo of what the thing is. Yeah. Too much value for people. But we'll find it. It's fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. So, um, speaking of things that haven't changed, that uniform is exact. I mean, it really give is. or take like an apron. <laughs> I feel like it's we pretty could much even, the same. I feel like we could even see the, like the texture, the material. Mm, the same. It's still that in, same yeah. overall. It's still, yeah. How, that is mind blow it. What I find interesting though, because, you know, there, there were certain parts in the movie where they were, Acting as hosts, right? Mm. So, you know, the, the white ladies were having these tea parties or, I don't know, playing games and stuff. And the, the, well, the maids were, um, hosting, but it gave them a somewhat formal look, right? You know, having that collar and having, you know, there, there was a, yeah, there was a professionalism to it. So formal not, or so mechanized. not just, yeah, mechanized, certainly, yeah. but, but not just, um, you know, so it wasn't just for practical reasons that mm. I think that domestic worker outfit uh, became what it was. Mm. I think it also had to do with showing some sort of respect to the person above you. Um, That's interesting. And speaking of, of that, I think it's a great segue because I, I mean, what really struck me in this movie, which I think still applies in our communities today, but not as much, is just how important social status and currency was mm. above everything else. It was almost like a TV game. You know what I mean? It was almost like everyone knew they were playing chess and nothing was real in the interactions between um, these women. And I mean, I mean the madams and their, their husbands and, and their friends, you know? Well, at the same time, that was the only thing that was real to them. <laughs> so it, even though it wasn't real, that was also was, the only thing that was real. Yeah, but it was like, it was so incredibly scary. And I don't think inaccurate at all. I mean, if I think even about my mom's, my mom's history, you know, my mom grew up in, in rural South Africa during apartheid, right? And she was, well, previously disadvantaged. Mm. But even during her time, if I think about, you know, she tells me story about her stories about her, her family. And how, how she was raised and, and the pecking order and how, you know, important appearances were, um, and the competition between siblings and, and, and between peers and relatives and whatnot and the values that her parents instilled mm. and the discipline and it all, it's, it's similar. It's, it's like social order mm. was everything, but social order. It's also necessary because it's part of our survival. You know, because as humans, we can't live outside of groups. Yeah. So, but for it to be so the clinical, group, like so yes. systematic. Yeah. The way that it's done. But then that's also how they, um, they make sure that they survive, you know? It's by, true, by but it's just so for me, specific. the way it was explicit. I, one of the scenes that really struck me was when, um, Aveline is talking to Skeeter about Elizabeth, who's her employer, and 
How and Elizabeth? Yes, Elizabeth's the 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 mean woman who doesn't like her kid. Post traumatic right? stress disorder. <laughs> no, she's just a meanie. She's not just and mean. She doesn't she's l- sick. She is sick. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's one way to put it. <laughs> we'll call it that. She's sick. She's socially sick. Yes, a lot of people are. How insistent Abeline was that Skeeter document the fact that she didn't feel that her employer should still be having kids because she felt like she'd done such an injustice to her daughter and she felt like it was it was because she was she wasn't attractive. You know, the kid just didn't look and this is a little kid, she's like two or three, you know, who isn't like a little bit podgy when you're mm-hmm. like two or three, right? I mean, it's it's quite normal at that stage, you know. You can't. Uh, it's it's just strange to judge a two or three year old for their mm. physical appearance because so much can change. Mm. Um, Do you think that pressure came from her husband or from her girlfriends? I think it came mostly from her girlfriends and from the idea of what a, a perfect nuclear family looks like. You know, the two and a half kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, for, for me, yeah, like I was saying, if everything was aesthetic. They just had so much invested in the way that they looked, their appearance, their personal appearance, uh, their, their, their houses, the way that, that even, even social interactions felt designed, you know, like the, the, when they'd host bridge at their houses, the way they dressed the help. Um, that whole Africa benefit they had, I'm sure they had absolutely no clue about anything going on on this continent back then in Mississippi, but they, mm. you know, were insistent on having this benefit for, for poor African children. I literally think it was called that. Like there was yeah, absolutely no depth African. or detail. It was just yeah. a, a benefit for Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Cause we need that. Which you was know. amazing. But you know, I, I remarked last time, sorry mm. love, I remarked last time that I felt like, Beyond just being exploitive, the role of domestic worker was very much linked to social status, right? And that was evident in the way that uh, Celia was so happy when she hired her first maid. Mm. You know what I mean? She felt like it was a rite of passage. The same applies clearly to to children, to children as well. Yeah, you know, everything is social currency. And actually, what I found very interesting, I think there were about two moments where. Maybe three, where um, Elizabeth starts to realize that extremely strong bond between Abeline and her daughter, mm. and also how necessary that relationship was. So, like the one time when she was sitting on uh, the the toilet in Hilly's yard, yeah, that was hilarious, <laughs> and she she smacked her daughter in public because she felt very embarrassed. But then she saw Abeline just take the child, mm. you know, to the side and give her a hug and make her feel loved. It, you could see that there was an awareness that she knew Abeline was doing something that yeah. she just wasn't no, capable of doing. Absolutely, and 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 even when. Um, Skeeter had pointed that out as well to, you know, when she sort of fat shamed her child and Skeeter pointed out that she's just a child who's, you know, got as much an appetite as any other child. There was, there was a pause, you know, she realized that actually what she did had some effect on the child mm. and then she just went went about her social business, you know? Mm, so mm. it's almost like she she grants herself some moment, just a few seconds to realize the gravity of something. And then she, she steps back right back autopilot. in. Yeah, she yeah. steps right back into that role again. No, and I think you're right about the awareness. The other thing I realized was, like, these weren't necessarily bad people. Mm. It was just 
the social order that that like that system was so stifling to their their own humanity and to their own agency and to you know actually developing their own personal values mm-hmm. and beliefs mm. but there were definitely moments for me where i could see something was happening and it wasn't right it was almost like there was a when when elizabeth's no when healy's Hilly, his maid was arrested for stealing that ring. Mm. Um, it was a very harsh arrest. The police really man- handled her, and I actually think they hit her at some point. Mm. And everyone was horrified, right? So definitely the maids who were in the bus, who were coming out of the bus as she was. But you could even see the the madams like trying to hide their, their kids, children, yeah. you know, trying to cover their kids' faces because there was an awareness of how wrong. It was, you know, and that's just one moment. There are definitely moments in this movie where you can tell these are these are people and they have a, a conscience, but they're incredibly stuck. And this is where I think something like prejudice can even be social currency. Mm-hmm. And you, people can be pressured into prejudice. And I think that probably still happens to to this day. Mm. Um, because you feel, and it's it's a defense mechanism, because you feel somehow insecure or compromised in a in a situation or you seek validation from a group mm. then you adopt that group's ideologies and their prejudices not because you necessarily mean them and you've thought about them and processed them mm. um as your own but just because it just to protect your position in the tribe well, I think at the same time where they are held responsible is when they know that it gives them an upper hand that someone else doesn't. Yeah. That it stifles or inhibits someone else's ability to function normally within society. I think when there is a very clear understanding that that is what it does every time you play into that, even if it's not your choice to be in the societal, you know, funk. Yeah, <laughs> construct. Um, I think just, just the fact that you know that you have the upper hand because you get to take that position. Mm. I think that's, that's still what makes it quite problematic. So I think there's definitely a limit to what you inherit. Mm. There's a, there's a time when you actually become responsible for perpetuating it, for continuing it and for upholding it. Mm. So I think, and I think that's actually where our society is, you mm. know, where, it's gone past inheriting the mess that we made. Yeah. But what I also realize is that in any group, there are leaders of the pack. So Hilly would have been a leader of the pack, right? And she sure. sets the tone. Yeah. Um, and so she's to blame in that sense. And for the most part, everyone else is just playing along, which is equally dangerous. Although she also inherited it. She also did. Even though she sort of bust everyone around mm. but she certainly inherited it as mm. well and i remember you were saying earlier on um probably the most painful thing for the domestic workers is how they raise these kids love these kids and then mm. these and kids turn out just like their parents yeah and and that's the thing that i think is very hard for me to grasp in general you know if someone has expressed incredible and undying love to you and that's a hard bond to break but how does it end up breaking you know and understand i mean 
the, the way I imagined it is if you have a white mother expressing love to her white child and mm. you also have a domestic worker or a maid expressing love to the white child, that they're getting love from both places. Mm. And because the child knows who, who their mother is, she might choose that love over the other love mm. in terms of, um, how, you know, hierarchizing love mm. and also in terms of who they take as a mentor as a person to learn from that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, in cases where the mothers are not that loving or, you know, where there isn't a split love, where there isn't, you know, split, um, you know, adult roles, Mm. how, how does that prejudice continue? I feel like, okay. So I feel like in, in that situation, I mean, Skeeter is exactly a case in point there, right? Where mm. she didn't feel like she had a role model in her own mother. Yeah. And so she preferred her maid, mm. first of all, made that express, secondly, but also then became an activist for mm. her issues, right? And so she writes the book and it's very personal for her. Mm. So I think that can happen. I mean, it would be such a beautiful thing if the whole young generation was there to actually help their parents understand how to better treat the people that they... Oh, no, that would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. But unfortunately, we're not all the same. I think you'd get a skeeter who wouldn't turn out like that as well. Mm. I think think as much as she might still have love, and I think this is what happens a lot, is you try to manage... You you accept what the social order is, okay? So my domestic worker is not allowed to. Well, she doesn't eat with us, mm. um, and we don't visit her home, mm. and you know she's she's not treated as equal publicly. But you know, there's so many people who are then um, kind of on the side, you know, like building homes for their domestic workers, paying for their kids' tuition. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like this backdoor thing where it's almost similar to how um, most children would secretly hang out and, and <laughs> still do secretly hang out in the servants' quarters and, and eat meals with the domestic workers, right? Mm. Um, yeah, I think for the most part, people try to separate um, appearances from their actual experience. What it actually makes me realize now is that those, those prejudicial actions then might not necessarily be perceived as not loving her mm. because it, then the children might just think, well, this is just the way we treat her. Mm. But if he or she feels love for mm. the maid, mm. then she believes this is the way I love her. Yeah. But I do love her. Yeah. So it's very interesting. So it actually takes away the idea that this could be a bad way to yeah. treat someone. Yeah. I think just, I always say, I think for the most part, people are missing it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Skeeter, I'm um, said it perfectly. Uh, you can just take a listen to the clip. Miss Stan, you said in your letter to write about what disturbs me, particularly if it bothers no one else. And I understand that now. Continue. I'd like to write something from the point of view of the help. These colored women raise white children, and in 20 years, those children become the boss. We love them, and they love us. But they can't even use the toilets in our houses. Don't you find that ironic, Miss Stan? I'm listening. Margaret Mitchell glorified the mammy figure. Dedicates her whole life to a white family. But nobody ever asked mammy how she felt about it. 
So aside to this never before heard. Yes. Because nobody ever really talks about it down here. It it must be hard to be Skeeter because Skeeter as much as she's an activist, really, there are parts of her that still want to fit in, right? Mm. So she's never, first of all, she's never confrontational, is she? Never, yeah. And in so many moments that she had the opportunity to, she's very passive-aggressive. Very passive-aggressive, <laughs> does sneaky things like um, the toilet scene where she wrote in the... <laughs> she manufactured a typo in the, in the mm. newsletter and everyone ended up dropping their toilets and not their coats um, <laughs> off... In Healy's garden, um, which was obviously devastating for her because she like won garden of the year or something. And now there's like toilet bowls. And I think it was like Negro toilet bowls. And then what makes that scene even worse for Elizabeth, like you're saying, when she spanked her daughter in public mm. is because then Elizabeth's little daughter goes and sits on a Negro toilet <laughs> in public. It was horrible. But anyway, all of this, everything is, is, is passive aggressive because even politeness is social currency. Completely. You know what I mean? How how bitchy can mm. you be whilst being polite? That's a thing that gets you social currency. She was already mm. a sore thumb in the group. And then on top of it to have to be the person that's always pointing things out differently. I know. It must be exhausting. While at the same time I wonder because this is sometimes what some allies say. So sometimes they'll say, well, if I leave the group, who's going to tell them this? You know, mm. so sometimes it's important for them to keep their role because they're influential enough to tell their group of friends that something isn't okay. Mm, so that's exhausting. Is that an acceptable way or is that an acceptable reason to be passive aggressive to always sort of somehow say what you mean? For the sake, of, <laughs> for the sake of having yeah, look, that group I exposed mean, to that way I'm of thinking, the number one diplomat. I also believe in com- compartmentalizing. I think that they, they they can coexist in relationships, things that you love about people and things that you hate. Mm. You know, um, and I think sometimes it's healthy to compartmentalize. And I think relationships about growing in any case. And I don't think that any growing happens if you if you um, jump ship. So you know there is. A- but sometimes <laughs> no, I don't know the I ship think that must is be a, jumped no no but I, I do think you need those types of people if they if if they can manage the situation and not co- completely compromise their values and not do anything wrong because she's never you know that was just, she was able to do that very well she's able to compromise and to stay in the group without actually being complicit but what it always sounds like is that the one that thinks differently is always doing it on Everyone else's terms. Yeah, for sure. Until she wrote the book. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And then got a complete break. It's true. It's true. Speaking of the complete break and how normal she wanted to be, I mean, she says, you know, a consistent theme is her trying to find a, find love in the movie, a a husband. Well, was it her, was it her intention? I felt like it was. Everyone else's intention. I don't know. I felt like there was something in her that really wanted it to, you know? Because Mm. she definitely was willing to draw certain lines. I mean, she definitely, there were, it was behavior she was not willing to accept in that man from the start and she was just willing to leave it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then kind of the relationship as he became, began to, you know, redeem himself and to, um, to really make an effort, then she started to soften as well. But I think there was something in her that wanted it to work. I think she particularly liked when he acknowledged how intelligent and powerful she was mm. and how refreshing it was for him and that she, he'd never met a woman like that. And, Furthermore, he encouraged her to write a book about something that she loves. So I think, I think there was something genuine in her 
wanting to to be with him, but unfortunately, fucking falls apart in the end. Well, I guess yeah, she was maybe looking for someone that could that was well suited to her, not just a man. Yeah, just so. I mean, let's play a few clips um, between the two of them. Uh, oh, hat goes from beautiful yeah, to yeah, sour. Yeah, kind of falls <laughs> Very apart. <quickly. laughs> <laughs> oh, it was really sour to really beautiful to really sour again. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite interesting. One drink. Just water, please. Double old Kentucky straight. The water back. You've got two backs. You sure you don't want to just make it the whole bottle in a straw? Honey, there's the lieutenant governor. Let's go say hi. So, what do you do with your time? You work? I write. But right now I'm working on a domestic maintenance column for the Jackson Journal. You mean housekeeping? Jesus, I can't think of anything worse than reading a cleaning column, except for maybe writing one. Well, I can. Working with a bunch of greasy, stinky men in the middle of the ocean. It sounds to me like a ploy to find a husband and become an expert in keeping house. Well, are you a genius? You figured out my whole scheme. And know what all you girls from Ole Miss Major in? Professional husband hunting. Who is hungry? <laughs> I'm sorry, but were you dropped on your head as an infant? Or were you just born stupid? Get up! No, what? We're going to get dressed. What is, what's wrong? Don't panic. Don't panic. There's a particularly tall and very handsome man named Stuart here for you. Oh, God. Oh, Mother. You would not like him, trust me. He's a drunken asshole. Love and hate are two horns on the same goat, Eugenia. And you need a goat. Put that on. Hurry! Look, I know it was a few weeks back, but I came to say I'm sorry for the way I act. Who sent you, William or Hilly? Neither. Hilly. But I wanted to come, okay? I was rude and I've been thinking about it a lot. Well, I haven't. She needs to go. God damn it. I told Hilly I wasn't ready to go out on any date, all right? I wasn't even close to ready. I was engaged last year. She ended it. I'm sure she did. It's not like that. I'm not always a jerk. Anyway, we've been dating since we were 15, and you know how it is. Actually, I don't. I've never really dated anyone before. Ever? Ever. I, I, uh, <laughs> well, that must be it then. What? <laughs> you, Skeeter, I, I, I've never met a woman that says exactly what she's thinking. Well, I got plenty to say. Yeah, I'll bet you do. You make me laugh, smile. Why don't you come out to dinner with me? We could talk. I could actually listen to you this time. I can't think of anything worse. Well, I understand, and I'm sorry. <clears throat> That's why I came here to say, and I said it. Just give me a minute. Let me get my sweater.
not a big fan of oysters, huh? Oysters are a vehicle for crackers and ketchup. Well, here's the new beginning. You're disgusting. Yeah, you've already made that pretty clear. And just so you know, the boys caught me reading your Miss Myrna column on the rig the other day. Really? You read them? All of them. Very informative, too. I had no idea the ground eggshells got grease out of clothes. Well, I do my homework. You're a good rider, Skeeter. Thank you. I want to be a journalist, or maybe a novelist, or maybe both. I like that. You're really smart and pretty. You told me to write something good, something I believed in. It's not what I believe in. Now, that joke you pulled with Hilly with the toilets, that's funny. Why would you do this to us? I don't even know why you care. What? Things are fine around here. Why go stir up trouble? Trouble's already here, Stuart. I had to tell you this. You needed to know. Goddamn right I needed to know. You should have told me this from the start. You're a selfish woman, Skeeter. Stuart. I think you're better off being alone. Yeah, so, I mean, quite devastating that for me, particularly in the end, you know, mm. shucks, I really had a lot more faith in him, especially when he seemed to really, I mean, he read her columns and he wanted her to mm. do something for herself and he respected that about her. And then in the end, and you almost expect guys to be less petty about, uh, did you find that petty? I think you expect guys to care less about, uh, Status in, in, in a strange way. I think you expect mm. guys to care about material status, right? But mm. I don't think you expect them to care about. Although a woman can be part of their material status, so to speak. Yeah, right? but I, yeah, but I, I don't think I expect guys to care less about ideological status mm. in a very strange way. You know, mm. I expect guys to just be mavericks and think and, and say and do what they want to as long as they have. A really nice car and a nice house and a, you know, a flat chick. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's like everything in between yeah. doesn't matter. So I didn't expect him to care that much about the book mm. and how he felt almost sociopolitically compromised by it. What I found so interesting and I, and I wondered was, I mean, they were together for some time. Did he not hear what she talks about? What she thinks No I mean No he must not have I think I think he She definitely kept A lot of that from him The thing is She's such a vocal woman mm. You know And and that's the Literally he said I, I've never met a woman Who says exactly What's on her mind So surely she was You know Like she, she it, it sort of shows In the movie That she is that kind of person So was he not exposed Enough to her thinking no, he, To know mm. Or to even predict That she would probably Be likely to do This kind of no, thing No 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 The thing is that Like uh, Selective vision is so real. Selective hearing too. She, he dated her based on an idea. They just think it was cute. Based on an idea. Look at how feisty you are. Exactly. Based on an idea he had of her from the start. He told her, this is what I like. You know, he was like quite, yeah, he was quite clear about the way that he saw her. And he probably just wanted to continue to see that in his 
kind of, um, I don't know, mild way. Because I feel like that kind, her kind of personality would have been annoyed with his kind of personality. I don't know what happened there. I think quickly, it was. Con- I think they both just really wanted it to her. work. I think they both just really wanted it to work, and they each compromised. But see, compromised. this is the thing. I don't quite get the impression that Skeeter is that kind of girl. I don't, yeah, but she you know she I mean? really fell for it. Like she was Gaga. I could see in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, there was like, uh, it's just, you know, her defenses started to break down. Really, her vigilance as well. It wasn't what it was in the start. I must say, I just, I didn't, I found it a very inconsistent romance. It's very strange. I didn't understand very, it. Very, very, very strange. <laughs> um, it's also strange for a man to break up with you because you stand for something that is right. Or different. Or different. Let's rather say different, because he might have just thought that it's different to the way he. Mm, but he thinks. was traumatized, no? He was. Very traumatized, Shem. I think he was crying. Yeah, he was upset. <laughs> he was definitely uh-huh. frazzled by it. He, because I, I don't know if he, he just panicked. Mm. What was your favorite scene? Like your most victorious, most emotional scene? To be honest, and I think, um, I think it's it's also just maybe got to do with my own like personal inclinations. I love <laughs> I love the scenes where Abeline is with the girl, the chubby girl, and mm. says, "You is kind, you yes. is smart, you is important." I'm so lovely. This woman who has probably very little of what she actually wants in life. She's lost her own son. She's raised, what was it, 17 children that are not her own. Mm. And in spite of that, she can still offer more love and offer more love to the next child and to the next child and to the next child and still want the absolute best for them. Mm. She's, she wants all of them to have a fighting chance. It's really beautiful. As much a fighting chance as if it was her own child. Um, and and I, I mean, I also, I also love that that doesn't necessarily need to come from the person that's birthed you. Mm. You know, that that thing can sometimes be offered by an unsuspecting person that you would never even imagine has the capacity to give that to you. I just find that as an idea beautiful. Yeah, I think that's kind of the power in humanity. Mm. I actually think that societies screw shit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by like, Forcing us to like love our mamas. No, dude, I'm serious. I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm able to separate humanity and society, Mm. which I didn't think I'd, you know, for me, they were always synonymous, right? Like the people were the society and the society was the people. Mm. But I don't know. I'm not convinced anymore. I think actually, I think society stifles humanity. Groupthink. Yes, but I, I think tribes. But but what we inherit is society made by people, mm. you know. So we're still inheriting people. Mm, but I think human beings. I love one-on-one human behavior. Yeah. Right. Because I think there's something very honest about it. I think the minute groups are interacting with groups, some shit goes down psychologically, mm. and people are different. Mm. It's no, like I, I always find people. I even. Which is why people can have, like, for instance, like a put a, put on a work hat or a a professional hat and behave a certain way in that environment, and then go home and be the softest people in the world, right? Like yeah. the biggest assholes, CEOs that are biggest assholes, mm. can actually go home and be just the gentlest people in the world. Yeah, when they're with the people they love, one on one. It's just, it's all too often people are different one on one. It's, it's just, yeah. 
Um, mm. It's sad. And I think... And I mean, even as you say that, you know, like Abilene and Minnie, you know, in the greater picture, in, you know, as a societal thing, mm. they were trying to burn shit down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then again, in personal interactions exactly. with their white... Yeah, they were so invested. Madams, they were invested. Yeah. It's crazy. It's Very crazy. True. Okay, well, no, so let's play some of those scenes then. Some of your favorite scenes. Yeah. Mm. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. You is smart. You is kind. You is important. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> they're so good. Oh man, I'm I'm definitely gonna tell that to my kid. Yeah, one day. <laughs> like, I actually had a just, guy just like that. You so is pretty. you is you smart. is you just is exactly just like, like that. that. No, okay. it's a, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened, girl, girl, girl. What happened was this past <laughs> week, um, this past weekend actually, a guy who may or may not like me <laughs> sent me a text. Oh. And he was like, you're smart, you're as kind, you're as important. I don't even know oh. if he listened to the first part of the show or what happened. But I just melted. That is so sweet. I was, I, I was just really beside sweet. myself. I just feel like your child might have no idea why mommy is talking that Doesn't way. matter. Doesn't oh, matter. Okay. What do you want? You <laughs> is smart. You is kind. You is important. <laughs> what do you want? No, I don't talk like that. Well, how would I say it? you are smart, you are kind, you are no friend. It doesn't have the same. I know it doesn't. Uh-uh. It, it really doesn't. Yeah, it was so slum, oh, honey. Yeah, us kind. <laughs> yeah, us belong. <laughs> no, no, okay, uh, no, okay. No, but can't you do it in in Kosa? Well, try it in French first. Oh. Tu es gentil, tu es intelligent, tu es important. Obviously, obviously <laughs> French ones. Obviously. Right? That's better than the English version. I mean, Damn I'm, this French. I don't even love myself Damn a little bit French. more. You know what I'm saying? Damn this French. <laughs> no, but how about yours? Yours is poetic language. Very um, beautiful. <laughs> let me see if I can remember the words. <laughs> <laughs> um... Ulungile. Upalile. Hmm. Upalikile. Aww. I'd do that. Oh my god, they all rhyme. I, yeah. Even. Yeah. So it would be like, I would do that. Ulungile. It even sounds like a song. <laughs> like, Ulungile. Upalile. Upalikile. Of course. Love that language. Oh I love gosh. yours. Love yours. Okay, so. What's uh, your favorite? My favorite was the scene. Oh my god, this whole scene is great on multiple levels. First of all, this man is just hot. Who is? Who is? husband. Celia uh, the outlaw. Her husband. Yes. Her hubby is so sexy. <laughs> and I particularly loved when she, he, he drives in as Minnie's walking in with the groceries yeah. and she's terrified. He, like she thinks this white man's she about to, to hurt somebody. <laughs> Shoot her point blank. Yeah. And so she starts running. She drops all her groceries, all her stuff and she picks up the biggest branch I've ever seen anyone carry. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna hurt this guy. Um, and then he just, he's just so loving. He just flips mm. the script on her completely and talks about how amazing she's been for, for his, his wife. wife. Mm. And, you know, like 
how grateful he is and whatnot. And it was such a redeeming moment for the husbands, you know? Mm. It was such a humane moment. For all husbands of well, wives with domestic workers, well, all of them in history. While at the same time, you know that he won't hold much influence with the other husbands because he's also as much an outcast as his it's wife. It's true, but to see that he was capable of that yeah, means true. that the others are, are too, right? And I haven't felt that hopeful about men in this situation. Yeah. So that was really great. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he's hot. And then, <laughs> in case you missed it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is something about a hot guy who's also kind. I'm sorry, I, I can't, know, I can't even deal. Very true. Um, and then they walk into the house, and then he he picks up the stuff for her, insists on carrying the groceries, puts his hand on her back, and ushers her into the house. And when she arrives there, there's Celia at this beautiful table with all this food. That is prepared and this table that is set for Minnie. Mm. And she's done it all herself and she's having simultaneously like a, a moment of pride and a moment of gratitude, you know? And Minnie in that moment as well is just so, she's uncomfortable because yeah, she's surprised and uncomfortable yeah. because, you know, that would never happen. It's a bit of a mind, it's like a parallel universe for her. You know, she's about to be seated at this really fancy table with all this amazing food with her two employers. But she's also, you know, they've built such a friendship that it, 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 it isn't too uncomfortable, you know, mm. and, and kind of she sits down and relaxes and she becomes less paranoid. She becomes a lot less paranoid. Yeah. And then they serve her, which I thought was such a beautiful moment. Shucks. I could have died. And then the narrator says that table of food gave Minnie the strength she needed to take her and her babies out from under Leroy and never go back. Mm. And it was, and if you remember, Leroy was very abusive. Yes. Was mm. the abusive husband. Mm. But the fact that that gesture would give her that strength, it was so. It was so validating to her. It was such a moment where she realized her own worth is incredible. It's like, and we take these things for granted. You know, it's like the smile that you give somebody, the, the look that you give somebody, if you learn someone's name, any of those things, small mm. things, sharing your sandwich with somebody, the the ripple effects of those things can be actually quite profound. And the effect they have on, on people and mm. their self-esteem, mm. you know? You can literally, those things can, you know, we, you know, I know it's, it's well and good to do all these big things that change the world. But when people say it's that small stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real. Although <laughs> what I've come to realize is, you know, and, and I found it incredible that she did let her guard down and she did realize maybe these people are actually trustworthy. Maybe when they say I have a job for life, I really do. I still probably wouldn't trust them because I just, you know, just the fact that they are in that time in Mississippi, they yeah. are on the other side. It takes so much to choose to put aside the things that you have known to be true mm. all along mm. to now all of a sudden possibly accept these people as completely different to everything that you've been used to. Mm. And I mean, I find, I find that struggle consistently in my life where I just don't trust people. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily even think it's about trusting. It's just not. It, it, I don't trust their actions, their gestures. You know what I mean? You don't it's, have it's to that kind you, of stuff. You, you don't have to trust them. You just have to take a leap of faith a little bit and meet them halfway, but sleep with one eye open. 
Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm sleeping with both open girls. <laughs> like, <that's> a, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, a, it's true. I have trust issues as well. Like, I don't immediately trust a white Afrikaans man. But I could still... Like I can still invest. You can grow into. I can lean into the interaction, and I can I can yeah. invest, and I can leap mm. with one eye open. Mm. And I really, that's the most important thing: is the willingness to to be proven wrong. I guess the moment I see little habits that are so reminiscent of everything that I'm used to, mm. I'm like, ah, uh-huh, you see, mm. Mm. therefore, but that's where that compartmentalization comes in. Yeah, <laughs> like you've got to accept people. For their for their good and their bad qualities, and like I used to be really, really precious that way. Like I used to throw the baby out with the bathwater every single time. I just needed people to leave. <laughs> I'm there. Take everything. I'm there. Take all of it. Pretend you don't never met me before. I just, just cut. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mm-hmm. literally. Gosh, I used to be so um, unforgiving mm-hmm. about people's. Especially people who held different ideas to me, beliefs, hmm. you know, things. Again, but how long did that take you? Because if it was maybe that, um, I don't know, in a few s- scenarios, you realize, okay, maybe you guys just aren't gelling versus maybe spending three, four, five years, 10 years mm. busy, like, you know, trying to, I don't know, give them a chance or trying to understand their point of view, et cetera, et cetera. And you realize it's actually falling on deaf ears. Like, doesn't it also depend on time? Uh huh. Both ways, I can see how it works. I mean, in the long relationship, the reason that you want to try becomes more sentimental, right? You're more likely just to have outgrown each other completely as humans. Mm-hmm. But I still find with new people that I meet, I actually invite, especially just doing the show and everything. Like, mm-hmm. I I invite people who, who I don't understand mm-hmm. and who disagree with me a lot more than I used to. Because I'm actually invested in my own, it's very selfish, but like, you know, it's also an investment in my own personal development and in expanding my own thinking mm. and my own perspective. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely not easy. Um, yeah. and actually it would be really nice to hear from you guys, the listeners, if, <laughs> if you, any of you suffer from severe trust issues. <laughs> we also talk about the power of, of the domestic worker. And I think there's a scene in here. Particularly that speaks to that, and it's 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 it involves shit. <laughs> but it's just like think about who you're alienating. You know when you <laughs> when we mistreat um, people close to us, oftentimes we just we don't think about the role they play in our lives. Mm. And this is the mistake that our dear Haley <laughs> made with Minnie. I don't know if you want to explain the scene yes. further. Uh, just disclaimer: <laughs> please don't. Imagine that your domestic work has done this to you. No, of course not. No, 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 no. Look, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But also, just think, think. Just let it be a lesson mm, to, it, to anyone. It could happen from anywhere. Anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Very true. <laughs> Very true. Okay, so here it is. Oh, the lovely mini, <laughs> who just really got hard done by, and you know because she used the toilet on the inside of the house rather than the outside of the house. Um, and Hilly was really angry and just fired her on the spot. So she went back to Hilly's house with, and she makes really, really nice pies. And as a token of her defiance. <laughs> okay, let's call it that. <laughs> she comes back with a pie that she actually made. She shat in it. 
out of her shit. She oh shat in it. Can you she defecated in the bathroom. Can you just? And the beauty is it, it takes... It, it, she, Hilly has two slices of this pie. So she gets called two slice Hilly. So and she doesn't taste it because it actually is that good. Yeah. Right? I didn't know food could be that good that it disguised shit, but apparently it does. The funny thing here is how her own mother turns on her and actually mm. hear later on as well why she did it. And yes. Take a listen. Nobody wanted to hire a sass mouthing thieving Nicra. Did they? How's as good as always, man. I'm glad you like it. Mm. Oh. If I take you back, I'll have to cut your pay five dollars a week. Take me back. What do you put in here that makes it taste so good? That good vanilla from Mexico. And something else real special. Mm. Mm. No, 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 Miss Walters. That's Miss Hilly's special pie. Mama can have a piece. Cut her wine. Go get a plate. Eat my shit. What'd you say? I said, eat my. Shit. Have you lost your mind? No, ma'am. But you about to. Because you just did. Did what? Yeah, so that was deep. Mm. <laughs> but uh definitely, definitely hysterical. Um and she literally like she gr- like she got a, a bump on her mouth. Ugh. From eating it. Yeah, it looked disgusting. Like a shit bump. I didn't know that that was a thing, but <laughs> <laughs> So there's this the, the one of the most powerful moments for me and really just just testament to what can happen when somebody really comes into their power and they start to believe in themselves, how their whole demeanor changes, right? And we've spoken about how, you know, uniform, for instance, something like uniform can like change somebody's whole demeanor. Mm. Um, and I think this, this is what happened through this process with, with Skeet and this is what we hope to achieve through, through the mate sessions as well. Um, so there's this unbelievable moment where, uh, Abelene, Walks into the house and there is Hilly with Elizabeth, her friend, and she's trying to get Abelene fired mm-hmm. for stealing. She's just made up a story about her stealing um, cutlery or something, um, and she's trying to get her fired. And Abelene gets so so fed up. You know, initially she's like very polite, 
you know, and like respectful as she would be as the Hulk. But she just gets to a point where she realizes what she's just done in writing this book and she steps fully, fully into that character, you know, Mm. that, that newfound character. And she really, she gives her, wow. Some sass. Some serious sass. (laughs) And I love the scene. Check it out. Evelyn, can you come in here, please? Good morning. Abilene, the silver I lent Elizabeth last week. And I polished good? Humidity didn't been fighting me on polishing day. When you returned it, three pieces were missing from the felt wrapper. A fork and two spoons. Let me, let me go check in the kitchen. Maybe I left some behind. You know as well as I do, that silver is not in the kitchen. You checking May Mobley's bed? Since little man was born, she's been putting things in it. Do you hear her, Elizabeth? She's trying to blame it on a toddler. I ain't got no silver. She says she doesn't have them. And it behooves me to inform you that you are fired, Abilene. And I'll be calling the police. Amy, my fault. I'll go get some syrup, Miss Lee Elizabeth can take care of her own children. I'll go get the cough syrup. Come here, little man. I- I'm okay. And still no silver. Maybe I can't send you to jail for what you wrote. But I can send you for being a thief. I know something about you. Don't you forget that. But what you may says is a lot of time to write letters in jail. Plenty of time to write the truth about you. And the paper's free. Nobody would believe what you wrote. I don't know. I've been told I'm a pretty good writer. Already sold a lot of books. Call the police, Elizabeth. All you do is scam, lie to try to get what you want. Evelyn, stop. You're a godless woman. Ain't you tired, Miss Haley? <laughs> you know, like I literally clapped. There was I, it was just me. Did you slow clap? No, no, I didn't slow clap. Okay, because I was a bit ashamed. I was just trying to get it over with, but I had to do it because I was literally I was in the room by myself. <laughs> I clapped. It's such a great moment, and I hope that we we eventually get there. Um, and I, but you know that is that is a wish for probably everyone mm. you know that, like that that feeling i think is a feeling that everyone deserves absolutely absolutely and, yeah. there's after that scene she kind of walks out and she leaves the job and um i think she says it's her or the narrator maybe she is the narrator she might be the narrator actually mm. come to think of it mm. um and Has she, she been the narrator the, the whole time? time i know right i'm only re- realizing oh. that now but she a- ends with the following words she says no one had ever asked me what it felt like to be me. But once I told the truth about that, I felt free. Mm. I thought, shucks. It's such a simple, it's such a simple action to mm. ask somebody how it feels like to be them. Mm. But it can have such a powerful effect on them. Mm. Absolutely. So yeah, that, I mean, that probably captures in general, what I got out of the movie. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to add just one more thing in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just the, the one scene where Skeeter's mom says sometimes courage skips a generation. Ooh, that's also really pretty. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's very interesting also because in the time that we're in, where so many of us believe that the born freeze didn't care for democracy. Yeah. You know, they were free or they are free. So, you know, would they even care? And also like the criticisms with, you know, social media and all that kind of stuff and how they're just really plugged in. They don't care much for reality and how in a way courage skipped our generation, you know, like yeah. in our age group. And they're the ones who are now younger that are taking on the democratic fight. Beautiful. Very, very nice. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, I think every generation's always got something to learn from another. Mm-hmm. But well said. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> on the meditations with cliffcentral.com. Um, be sure to follow us on where? <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> at Made Project, M-A-I-D-E Project, as well as Facebook. You can just type in the Made session. I'm sorry, guys. I don't have social media brain. Like, I can't get the stuff straight. <laughs> I try to get off social media and it lasted about three minutes. Cox! <laughs> anyway, um, yes, take care. And remember, you was kind. You was smart. You was important. important. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Listen, Something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.